Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 465. Royal Caribbean versus Disney Cruise Line for the Battle of the Family Cruises. Boy, it's a never-ending debate about which one has its virtues, which one is better, and which one should you choose. But this week, we've got a listener review that actually went on both the new Disney Wish and a Royal Caribbean cruise ship to get an idea of what the experiences were like compared to each other right one after another. Here we go. Disney versus Royal Caribbean, it's a subject I love talking about because as a former Disney cruiser myself and a Royal Caribbean convert, uh, it's a subject that's near and dear to my heart more so than other lines. And this week we actually have uh, somebody joining us on the podcast who went on both lines and in quick succession, actually a, uh, well, it's a back-to-back, side-to-side, however you want to look at it, two cruises in a row, one on Disney, one on Royal, and also on the Disney's newest ship. We'll get more into that in just a second. But joining me on this week's episode is Sylvia Haynes. Sylvia, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Well, hey there. I am so excited to be here. Absolutely. Glad to have you here. I thought this was a really cool idea. You went on two cruises in a row. First, the Disney Wish, brand new Disney cruise ship. And then you went on Mariner of the Seas. So talk to me about why you did, how you picked this out. How did you do two cruises in a row? And how did you decide to do one on Disney, one on Royal uh, right after each other? Gotcha. So I am obsessed with cruising. I'm I'm almost to your level, not quite. Um, but so between canceled cruises and having some future cruise credits to move around, um, we had a lot of choices to work with. And so, you know, it all started with my husband's 40th birthday. It was a royal cruise that got canceled. And those, then we picked up a Disney cruise that got canceled. And so then when the wish got announced, we pushed that to the wish you know, could not turn down that option. We were so excited about that. And then one of my very favorite people, um, she just retired after a very long tenure in of all things animal control. Mm. Um, and she loves cruising more than I do. And so she said, I want to go on a cruise. I want to go on a cruise. And so we just lined up the dates. And so I went on the wish. And then as soon as I got off the wish, I turned around, went to a different terminal at Port Canaveral and got right on the Mariner. Fantastic. So which one did you, you booked Mariner first? Or Disney. Um, I actually booked um, booked the Wish first, and okay. then booked Mariner, and then booked Mariner, and then you got them back to back. So make it up for a little lost time, celebrating retirement. Oh, yeah. You know, check all the little boxes there as to as if you needed reasons to book a cruise. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I absolutely had to have a reason, of course. So talk to me about um, your experience with both lines. Prior to these two cruises, had you cruised with Disney and or Royal Caribbean before? Yes. So I have cruised with both on multiple ships before Okay, good. and prior to the, okay. And, um, prior to these two cruises, I would say, um, so I am a childless millennial and I am very big fan of Royal. Now I am also, you know, a diehard Disney parks goer. So, you know, I love a Disney cruise, but the um, excitement that comes with all of the Royal ships is really my big draw. Cause I don't sit still. Yeah. Um, so you'll find me making circles in the line at the flow rider and then climbing the walk wall and then eating all of the things. Nice. Well, and, and I know this is a podcast, so you can't see Sylvia here, but I will just just to give you street cred with the Disney people out there. You do have a ve- very large photo of Cinderella's castle behind you. So, um, you know, that she's not just. She's not just talking the talk. She's walking the walk as well, um, as it relates. Yeah, my office doesn't have a window, so I figured I would make a fake one, and uh, <laughs> it's my window to the Magic Kingdom. It's a, it's a virtual balcony, but it's got a view yes, of Magic Yes, exactly. Kingdom. There you go. All right, so I think it's suffice to say that you have a lot of experience here. You're not a newbie. You have a good sense of what they're like. So this isn't like you know one-off, something like that. 
So obviously, uh, different ships. You know, Disney Wish is a brand new cruise ship. One, um, sorry, the uh, the Mariner of the Seas, not necessarily, not the newest ship in the fleet, not the oldest ship in the fleet. I would characterize Mariner, quite frankly, as certainly one of Royal Caribbean's better ships in terms of just, you know, it had that awesome refurbishment in 2018, I believe, 2019, and added a lot of cool features. So, you know, this is really interesting. Um, and uh, the Wish, I believe, is larger, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know about capacity. But I thought capacity, they're very, very close. So yeah. I want to say it's about four thousand and four thousand, give or take a few. Yeah. So we're 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 you know, it's close. I mean, you're never gonna get apples to apples, obviously. So if you're saying well, you can never compare Disney to Royal Caribbean, I beg to differ, but you're right, they're never gonna be exactly the same. Each has its benefits and drawbacks. Yeah. And um, so I guess go looking at both of them, is there by the way, um, who you went you booked yourself on this? I know you went with your um friend who just recently retired. But you went, you booked this by yourself, like you were solo in your room. Is that accurate? Um, so in on the first cruise, it was me and my husband in one room, and um, we had some friends in another room. And then on the Mariner, there were four of us on that trip. And so we, there were two of us in one room, two of us in another, and we actually had a, connect, a connecting balcony set of rooms. Perfect. So that, that's, that's great. Um, are you comfortable talking about pricing to give us some context as to how, that, how they both related to each other? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How much did you pay for each cruise? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so now I will say um, what made the wish a little more feasible is um, they had some issues getting the ship out of the yard just because there were shortages on, you know, shocker, there were shortages during right. the pandemic on certain parts and pieces. So it rolled out of the shipyard a few weeks late. And so we got a future cruise or not a future cruise credit. They called it a wish onboard credit where they cut the cost in half if we rebooked hmm. and then just made that a, an onboard credit, which we used all of and then some. Um, <laughs> so the original cost, so this was a three night sailing that went to Nassau and Disney's Castaway Key. And it was um, regular price was about $3,200 okay. versus, um, and that was for two adults. And then, so for the connecting balcony room on the Mariner, it was a five night sailing that went to Labadee and went to Coco Key, and it was roughly about two thousand dollars for two people. Okay, so thirty two hundred, uh, and that was a three night cruise on the Wish, right? That was three night, yep. yeah, yeah. And that's honestly pretty much the norm for uh, uh, for for Royal Caribbean versus Disney. You're talking about a magnitude of double, yeah. or you know, sometimes it's triple, but it, you know, in this case, short yeah. Caribbean cruise, you're more or less you're in that ballpark. So. I don't think anyone's truly surprised to hear that Disney costs more than that. So <laughs> yeah, well, and the the thing to keep in mind when I when I look at the pricing of the two is you do get some premium dining experiences that are included in that cost on Disney, whereas like we did the unlimited dining package on the Mariner, and that you do pay extra for. So like right there, that's an extra two hundred dollars a person per room. So that's an extra four hundred dollars just to have the upgraded dining experience that you get on the Mariner. And uh, also the fact that, I mean, you just lucked into getting that onboard credit with Disney is fantastic because that helps really yeah. get this thing out of, you cool, know, all that the extras. Helps, yeah, they don't do um, beverage packages. And whereas I am not, you know, I, I'm not one that, you know, goes hard and heavy every time. But if I wanted to grab a mojito or something by the pool, you know, those $10 every time I turned around. And then same for my husband. So you multiply that times two, that $1,600 credit didn't go very far. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, different different uh, options on both lines. And obviously, there's yeah. a lot more that we can really talk to about today. But you yeah. know, I really want to talk, Sylvia, about your takeaways. So I'm going to talk. Let's do big picture and then work our way down to big small picture. picture. So having done both, 
I know it seems like we should start like going between each thing, but I, I think it makes more sense. Yeah. Big picture. What When you walked off, I think Mariner, you went off second. When you walked off Mariner of the Seas, you got home, you did laundry, you realized no one was going to pick up your dirty towels anymore. Um, what, what did you say to you, what did you tell your husband? What was your thoughts on, uh, comparing the two lines? So comparing the two lines, um, so ship for ship, the wish is absolutely stunningly gorgeous. Of course it's brand new. I mean, there aren't fingerprints on certain things, you know, it's, it's gorgeous. And they put a lot of time and attention into every single detail from like lights that moved everywhere to just interactive parts and pieces. Even the elevator wallpaper has very much attention put into it. Um, when you compare that to the wish, whereas the wish is a much more dated decor, you mean the um, Mariner, some right? of the, some of the artistic choices were a little questionable. Um, the sheer amount of fun and shenanigans that happens on the Mariner was exponentially higher. Mm. We, I mean, we had the time of our lives on this trip and the, um, the live entertainment was more in, engaged with the audience. So we, you, there's that connection that you make when you sit in. So like, was it the barrel and barnacle yep. and you have that, um, the singer that we had that week, her name was Darla, and she was just phenomenal. And she talked with you, and she took requests. She was like, so excited to take every request. Whereas on the Wish, they had great entertainment, but the, that interaction wasn't there. You weren't making friends with everybody at every table. Just that feeling was a little different. And sure. so, ship for ship, to choose one over the other, just based on overall experience, I'd probably actually go with the Mariner. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and listen, I, they both offer different different things yeah. and I don't think that Sylvia you, you I think it's safe to say that you would not tell anybody they'd have a bad time on the Disney wish it's a no. brand new ship by the way Darla is we had Darla as our pub singer we were on Mariner I think I think I was on there before you went on there maybe a week or two or a week or two after yeah. within two, two weeks of each other we were on the, we were on Mariner and Darla is one of the best pub singers in the fleet so if you have a yeah. chance to go on uh I think she's going on Navigator next if you're l listening to this right around the time it comes out um, if you're on yeah. the West Coast, you'll have an opportunity to see her. But yeah, I mean, the live entertainment I've always thought Royal Caribbean always does a phenomenal job with, whether it's the pub singer, schooner bar player, the the shows on board. I mean, they really value live entertainment, quality people who really are talented at what they do. Yeah. And, and and that really stands out there. You know, um, let's talk about dining on board. You know, and by the way, that was a great okay. breakdown of, of the whole thing. I love that. Talk to me about the dining because you went into this. You said, all right, well, you've got you bought the dining package for Mariner. You recognize that The Wish had some other restaurants that were included with the cruise fare there. So how did it break down? How did you approach dining between both ships? Okay, so I like to eat. Let me let me go ahead and preface that, that I, I like to eat. And I'm one of those jerks that takes pictures of all my food. You can't touch it until I've taken the picture. Because <laughs> um, it's going to be very well documented. Um, so on The Wish, and just like on any other Disney ship, if you've been on one, you know they've got the three different dining rooms. And each different dining room has its different theme. And so on the wish, the themes were incredible. So our first one, we started out with the Worlds of Marvel Technology Showcase, which was a little cheesy, definitely geared for a younger audience, but the theatrics inside of it are cool. Um, we met the technology guy that manages the Disney wish, and he was telling us that there were 40 different technicians that manage the technology just on that ship. Wow. Um, yeah. And so it's really cool because you've got these lights and then you have Ant-Man and Wasp who are talking to you on a screen. And you have this thing that lights up. The food was really good. Um, absolutely incredible. I was, it was, it, 
it was really hard for me to not try to take the um, Avengers themed silverware that came at the table on the first night. Um, it had it had a little A on it. I'm like, oh, well, they noticed if I put this in my purse, but I didn't. Uh, like, let me reemphasize, I didn't take it. But so it was really cool and it was really fun and the food was really good. And the one thing that I will say was that the um, vegetarian, so I'm not vegetarian, but I tend to skew that way a lot of times. Sure. Um, the vegetarian options were much better and just overall just like a, just a different level on these uh disney dining the disney dinner dining room areas the second one was that we went to it was um the royal engagement of anna and Kristoff from frozen and i will tell you that's probably the most entertaining dinner i have ever sat at ever you've got these performers that, so I love Frozen. Let me go ahead and preface that too. But you've got these performers that are singing all the songs from Frozen. And even at the end, you have this guy that is rocking out for like 10 minutes on his on his violin to like into the unknown and lost in the woods and just the excitement that builds in the room that everybody parades through your dinner. But the food was good. And it was it was your what would you what you would expect from like a Norway kind of themed dinner with like like there was like meatballs and pasta and lots of things I couldn't pronounce and it was delicious. And then the last night was the kind of their version of formal night, which was 1923, which is Hollywood themed dinner. And whereas there's not any entertainment there, it was classy and it was nice. The food was good. Sure. Um, on the Mariner, we did the unlimited dining and did the signature dining. We booked different things every night. And the one thing that we, we think we figured out is there are a lot of new contracts for the employees on a lot of these Royal Caribbean cruise ships. Yep. So it was it was good, but not as good as we remembered. So I will say Jamie's Italian was everybody's top choice. That it was phenomenal. So I'm I'm really picky about Italian food because I've been to so many places where you're like, I could have made this at home. I could have right. gone to Walmart. I could have bought these noodles, boiled them myself. No. It was top notch. Whereas like our we did the key and so we had the chops on board luncheon mm. right when you got on the ship. And it was, we're like, oh, okay, you know, it's lunch. They're trying to get everybody in. It was a little lackluster. There were certain things we looked at where, like, the steaks were drastically different sizes on different plates, hmm. not necessarily cooked quite right. We're like, okay, not a big deal. It was tasty. Um, but then we did the, you know, the chops dining on, you know, the dinner, and it was still very good. But you could tell that they maybe were lacking a few servers. We had, we always thought our server was fantastic, but he was running circles yeah. the whole time. And so it was a three hour dinner. Mm which meant that, that you have to kind of level set those expectations where if you're going to do the signature dining, um, you got to understand that, you know, if you might have to rethink your show schedule every once in a while, because that does get a little lengthy. Yeah. Um, and like, we, you know, we always start every cruise at Izumi and it was fantastic, but we had one friend who'd never done hibachi and we're like, Oh, he's getting ready to do the choo-choo train with the, with the, with the diced onions. And then it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> little, it was little things, yeah. little things. Now, let me tell you, the food was still really good. Yeah. But it just, it what it again comparing the two, it wasn't quite there. Now, what I will say is, the windjammer, the windjammer on um, this one was probably the best one that I'd had so far. Which was, yeah, the strangest thing to say. I really don't eat in the windjammer that much, but. Every breakfast was on point, man. Good. I think I could have eaten my weight in these like orangey cinnamon rolls that they oh, had. And the level, the like just pounds on pounds on pounds on pounds of bacon that was perfect. Every single piece was perfectly cooked. It was very impressive. Did you get a chance in the breakfast in the Windjammer to go to the, they have a, a waffle station. 
I don't know if you caught that. That no, was it's awesome. so big. I know it's it's hard to miss because it's only on one side and it's kind of hidden in what you would assume to be more of the same area that you saw when you on your way in. Anyway, that is that is chef's. Oh, well, kiss. now now I, I I'm gonna have to go back and do the waffle station because <laughs> that's my jam right there. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And, and you know the 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 people thing. Obviously, that's just an X factor that you can never account for. Yeah, you know, it's just you know it's luck of the draw. Things sometimes everybody has a bad day. Sometimes. You know, there's a lot, there's something's happening in the kitchen. Who knows? It's not the end of the world. It's also, you know, yeah. it's just, it is what it is kind of situation. And that can happen. Yeah. And that's what we tried it up to because I will say that on both ships, and I've never been on a cruise ship where I had a bad interaction with a, let's say, I always want to say cast member, but, you know, cruise team member. Sure. And all of the staff was incredibly nice, incredibly friendly, did a top notch job, did everything they could to make sure every need was taken care of. But it was just one of those little factors to consider if you're cruising in the immediate future is that we're potentially looking at some people who are new and training and things may not be, yep. you know, we did the Harmony um, in November. We were actually on your group cruise, but didn't realize it. Um, <laughs> and the the level of quality on the food there was just a, just a smidge higher. Yeah. And and this is, it's an interesting thing because you have to remember if you go back, well, again, we're, we're recording this on August 8th, right? And you went on your cruise end of July. So yeah. we, you have to remember a month before this, um, Royal Caribbean and all the lines were really dealing with staffing shortage. Uh, they had people that yeah. contracts had come to an end from the restart and a lot of them wanted to go home for whatever reason. And so they had some staffing shortages also because of COVID and whatnot. So the response is let's hire more people. And Royal Caribbean has been hiring a lot of people in Europe and in the Caribbean and getting them all in there. You get a lot of new folks, new people. That's good. It solves one problem. I'm not saying it creates another problem, but you have to. There's some new contracts on there, and that's going to be something to work through. I, for the record, would rather have somebody who's brand new to the line to work with than not have that person at all and have a void and a longer wait. (laughs) So it's 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 a it's a good problem to have, I guess is what I'm trying to say on that. Oh Uh, yeah, and like I said, everybody was friendly, and the food was good. It was good. There were no complaints. Good. Now I want to actually talk about something you brought up before we started recording is the private islands because you have also had a chance to check out uh, the. a castaway key over for for Disney and uh, actually two islands. I was really just thinking Perfect Day at Coco Key, but you also went to Labadee. Uh, talk to us about how those two, well, three islands compared to each other. I know Labadee is not an island, sorry, but uh, you know how do they same, how, same how, difference? Yeah, how did the experience um, um, compare and contrast for you having gone to both or all three? Okay, so um, you know we'll, we'll start with Disney since we did that one first, and I've been to Castaway Key a number of times. My favorite thing is to do the Castaway Key five k. But to put it in perspective, that 5K covers a good portion of the island. Mm -hmm. So Castaway Key is tiny. So you have the adult beach. You have the family beach. You have kind of the like overlook area by the the fake previous airliner thing Mm -hmm. where you you do a big loop for the 5K. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, You have two little barbecue areas. So it's it's a very intimate experience. Um, If you go on a ship that's fully booked, it can feel a little, a little tight. Luckily, you know, our, our ship was not at full capacity. I think they said it was about 75%. So there was plenty of room um, to, to keep in mind, though, if I'm a very active go, go do all of the things person, and you're a little more limited on what you can do on Castaway Key. Um, we did go snorkeling. And if you've got kids, it is the coolest little experience to go. I say if you've got kids, it amuses me every single time, and I'm 30. Um, <laughs> if you go snorkeling, 
they have, it's a smaller snorkeling area, but they put this little magic touches where like there was a sunken Dumbo ride that served in the reef area, the sunken Prince Eric statue. And it's kind of a cool little underwater scavenger hunt. Um, but not, not a lot of like activity. Whereas, you know, we went to Labadee, which by the way, great recommendation on the dragon tail coaster. That was so, oh my God, that's so fun. Um, the coolest view I've ever had of like an island ever. You're flinging around. You're like, I want to slow down and watch, but I also <laughs> want to go super fast. Right. Um, that so that island, um, it was gorgeous. I was not expecting it to be. I, I don't really I didn't really have any expectations. Um, but it was gorgeous getting off the ship. It was just beautiful, yep. very relaxed. Um, personally, I don't think they do a good enough job amping up or just showing you what there is to do. The pictures look kind of lame on the cruise planner, but you get there and you're like, wow, this is amazing. So we did the um, cabana in Nellie's Bay or Nellie's beach. And we were right by where they had the kids. Um, I, it looked like a wipeout area. So like the obstacle course and all the slides and stuff. I'm like, this looks amazing on cruise planner, but it all looked kind of, kind of chill. Yeah. It was gorgeous, but it's very relaxed. Um, we had a really good time. That's a, to me, that was a very good place to just kind of hang out and chill. Um, pretty much most of what we did was hang in our cabana, have cocktails overlooking the water, float around, soak up some sun. Um, Coco Key, good grief. Like to me, that is just, it is a destination in itself. You know, I, I, I can pass NASA. I'll go straight to Coco Key every yep. time. And this is my third time going and I still haven't seen everything. Um, this go round, we did the, um, the beach club that, um, of course my brain's farting right now. Yeah. So we, um, so we did the cocoa beach club and it was phenomenal. That was the, the food was amazing. So the cabanas were sold out by the time that we got there, we're cabana people. So we just did the, the, just the beach pass. We got there early enough that we were able to get one of the covered beds by the, by the infinity pool. Just the, the single fact that there's an infinity pool that overlooks a beach even the seagulls were nice. Like they don't bother you. They're not trying to eat your food. So like, you know, when we were on Castaway Key, uh, my, my husband gets up to go get a drink and this seagull's like, oh, he got up, hits my chair now and tries to eat his burger. Well, we're, you know, we're eating coconut battered lobster at Cocoa Beach. And they're like, hey, what's up? Just checking on you. Want to make sure you're okay. And then we just happened to walk over to the um, Oasis Lagoon Swim Up Lounge. I'd been before and it was relaxed. I don't know. Maybe it's my first time going in July. It was spring break and it was, it was a party. And and it wasn't like a weird, awkward, like teenager party. It was just everybody from age six to age 60 was having the time of their lives. It was incredible. Um, I will say, you know, the first time I ever went, we did the the water park and we were somehow the only ship in port. As you know, now you're never the only ship there. You've got two ships there. And so my recommendation is, has been to others, you know, yeah, bypass the water park for the most part. It's fun, but it gets busy. Yeah. But with, with that in mind, we did, we did some snorkeling there and it was incredible. So I, they have lemon sharks, which is, they wanted nothing to do with us. I actually was like, Hey, 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 you, I want to look at you. Yeah. He wanted nothing to do with me, but it was cool to see um, They actually had some baby barracudas that were super friendly actually i was thinking that he was going to want to try to like chase me off or something yeah. no he wanted nothing to do with me either but he was hanging out there's a lobster under the cabana huh. the the sea life was really cool but it was just there's so much to do and so much to see and like i said it's my third time and i still haven't seen everything there yeah. and it was so much fun and they had to drag me onto the boat kicking and screaming <laughs> i gotta say i thought your comparison is is very good 
But I did think you meant you failed to mention the one thing I think. I mean, there's many things I think that make Coco Key especially stand out from uh, Castaway, and that is the I mean, you you went to the Coco Beach Club, so you had amazing food. But even yeah. if you didn't do that, even if you ate at the Snack Shack or the oh the we're uh, gonna talk about that funnel cake at yeah, the Snack Shack, all the food. Yeah, I mean the Whew. the food. Oh, buddy. I'm talking about Coco Key's. Labadee's food is nothing to write home about. But the food I at, wasn't at, gonna mention that. But. Yeah, but <laughs> the food at Coco Key is really really good and another as if there weren't enough reasons that sylvia didn't already mention as to why coco key is i would say superior but preferable over castaway the food in and of itself is all you need to know i mean it's oh man really good. yeah i mean it, well it's everything from like what i call fair food so you've got the like fried corn dogs and the the funnel cake and whatnot to the cocoa beach food i mean good grief they could have served that on the ship and nobody would have known the difference it was right it was just it was just good yeah like could eat myself sick and not even swim and been happy it, it's just yeah so i mean there you go there i think that's a really good overview of of the three places you visited and uh some, some good yeah. thumbs up there so here's what i want to ask you sylvia i mean we, we could talk about you know your, your rooms and, and a lot of other things i want to talk about yeah what do you think um give me something give me some pros of of each of the lines what did you like that disney did and what did you like that royal caribbean did Okay, so I, I'm I'm not much on hanging out and relaxing, but one of the biggest pros to me on all of the Disney ships is the Census Spa and the Rainforest Room. So on the Wish, the Rainforest Room is actually indoor outdoor, hmm. and so um, they they've changed up how they do the adults only area and the pool area, and having fun splashing around, and it's less like swimming time. So it's a little bit shallower and it's more for just sitting down and relaxing and it can get, it can get a little people-y. And so the rainforest room outside has the hot tubs and the lounging area and it's, it's so quiet and so peaceful. And then of course they've got some, you know, they've got your, what you would think, you know, they've got the sauna. They also have this ice room. So I get hot. So when everybody was like, we're going to go cruising in July, I'm like, Oh, Oh, I don't know if I can do this. They have an ice room that has just this like big chunk of just like, looks like ice that they pulled out from Captain America that's like glowing and it's just like <laughs> misty in there. And so you can sit and cool down. And then when you get done, it's got these like tile heated seats that you just lay back and it's, and it's warm. It's weird. It's warm. Hmm. Um, to me, that was fantastic. And then one thing that I like on really all Disney ships is they have the like all day movie theaters. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but sometimes you get a little later in the evening and, you know, all of the fun stuff is done, but you want to kind of wind down and watch a movie. They have new release movies. So I watched um, Lightyear and Thor Love and Thunder hmm. on the ship. And then, of course, the one other thing that I'm a huge fan of is they do pirate night. So, you know, channel my inner pirate, dress up ridiculously. They have the band that rocks out. Captain Sparrow comes down, slings across the front of the pool, and then there are fireworks at sea. So huge pros there at that. In fact, it's just beautiful. It yeah. is simply, simply beautiful. And I could keep going on. I've already talked about the frozen dinner was epic. Every little girl's dream come true. But when you pop over to the Mariner, like I said, shenanigans are where it happens. The The lineup of things to do is incredible. So like to, to give a small day and a glance, it was, you know, wake up, go do the little running track. And then I would go, they've, you know, they've always got somebody really intense doing the workout classes. So we would do a stretching class and I would bend things that I didn't even think I could bend. <laughs> and then we, you know, go grab a margarita, sit at the pool deck. And then it was time for a Zumbo by the pool. And then that was followed by aqua aerobics. Then that was followed by, you know, some sort of, you know, trivia competition. 
I was impressed by the way that they did a Harry Potter trivia competition in the biggest lounge on the, on the ship. And it was packed. There were like 400 people in there. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, and then it's my favorite. I, I, I will say I am the reigning champion of the belly flop competition <laughs> on the Mariner. <laughs> and that's one of my fa- favorite weird things to do. Nice. The guy told me he hadn't seen a female do that the whole three months he was on that ship. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, it's stuff like we did a belly flop competition. There was a hottest guy competition the first the, the first day we were there, which the winner actually ended up proposing to his girlfriend. So oh, it was, you nice. know, lots of fun. And so, and, you know, and then that turns into, a, you know, the silent disco at night with the headphones with everybody looking crazy, but having the time of their lives that just the activity schedule is on point. Yeah. Where if you're bored, that's your own fault. Yep. That's, I think it's a great summary there. And I, and I really appreciate you sharing this with us because I think that there's, you know, there's good and bad for each line. That's what I always talk about. And I don't oh, think yeah. that any line is perfect, um, but it's good. to. I just thought the fact that you did two cruises on two different lines back to back with each other is just a uh, it's a unique opportunity to be able to really compare and contrast as closely as you can, because obviously those experiences are fresh in your mind um, for both sailing. So, Sylvia, I want to thank you again for joining us here on the podcast and, and talking oh, about this. Thanks for having me. This was fun. All right, friends, time to answer listener emails. It's part of the episode where I answer as many Royal Caribbean emails as I can. If you want to send me an email, you can always send them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. First email is from Sean Pearson of Salt Lake City. Hey, Matt, my wife and I are booking excursion to St. John on your own through Royal Caribbean. What are some must-see beaches that you recommend, as well as any places to eat or shop? St. John, I got to say off the bat, is one of my favorite places in the world. I mean, it's the most beautiful beach I've been to, I think, anywhere. So I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, I would definitely recommend Trunk Bay cinnamon bay beach there's a number of them they're all absolutely fantastic trunk bay is the most popular one when people talk about st john they usually talk about that because it's the most prominent beach there but i went to cinnamon bay had a fantastic time it was beautiful i really don't know of a bad beach you can pick there i think when we went to st john last time it took us to i want to say like honeymoon beach or something like that they're all beautiful they're all amazing but if you had to pick Trunk Bay is certainly the most uh, lovely. Cinnamon Bay, the nice thing about that was just that it was a little less crowded than Trunk Bay. I thought the Trunk Bay was busy because there's not that many people that go over to St. John from the cruise ships. It's just because of the ferry ride. It's just a bit of a, it's a bridge too far, except there is no bridge. It's a ferry ride too far. So it doesn't get too, too busy over there. In terms of where to eat or shop, there is a little area where the ferry drops you off that has shopping and dining. I honestly, Shaw, if I were you, I wouldn't even waste your time there, man. I would... Uh, pack something with you, uh, maybe pick something up on the way. We were lucky. We went to Cinnamon Bay. There was a food cart. This was be- before the pandemic. This is like 20, gosh, 16, 17, something like that. You know, there, anyway, I don't know if it's still there is what I'm trying to say. But there was a little food truck that was right by the beach. And they, you know, it was all you needed to, you know, keep yourself going. But I would maximize your time at the beach because it's a limited amount of time. And so, and then I would save, you know, the food for maybe when you get back to St. Thomas, something like that. So thank you for the email. Next email is coming to us from Steve, who's got a response to episode 459. Good afternoon. Catching up on podcasts and wanted to respond to one of your listener emails, specifically the one about the autistic children and testing. Like you, I don't know the answer, but but it's just one of the following emails. Um, You can always email Royal Caribbean special needs at rccl.com about the autism needs, and that might help or might not. I've heard that autism on the seas is an incredible job. Perhaps they can make an interesting guest for your podcast. Uh, thanks to the email, Steve, and the recommendation, certainly. You know, obviously, testing is changing now. It's interesting you sent this email. And it wasn't that long ago you sent me the email. And it's almost like it's out of date already. But, hey, you never know. There are still some itineraries that require it. So, worth mentioning. And in terms of the um, 
Autism on the Seas folks, they do a fantastic job. We did an article about them uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, one of our writers, Allie, uh, has a friend who works for them, and they do they do an amazing job. There's no doubt about it. There's no, there's no one that does the work that they do. So if you are if you have an autistic child, you might consider uh, going on a real coming cruise. Uh, you might want to reach out to Autism on the Seas. You can Google them. Um, they have all the information over there. Next, we have an email from Trisha. I know you're probably sick of these questions, but with Norwegian lifting testing requirements last week, is there any news if Royal Caribbean is following suit? I've got a trip coming up in August out of Europe, and I know that it will depend on the port, but having to find a place to test in London, uh, not having to find a place to test in London would make it a lot easier. So Trisha, I'm answering this question because the answer is already out there. We already know that Royal Caribbean has uh, announced the rules, but I want the reason why I'm answering this question is because I want to expand on the question, Trisha. And this is, as we go forward here, we're in August, and we're going to get questions like this now for the next easily six months. There's going, This is going to be the nature of things for a while because protocols had been pretty consistent for most of 2022. And now with the protocols going the other way and things starting to lift, you're going to see a lot of movement again, I think, in, in the protocol. Specifically, you know, lip being lifted here but being kept there. It's going to be a situation that reminds me a lot of last year in which I told people, you know, if you got a cruise coming up, looking at the protocols three months, two months before your cruise, it's, it's too soon. I mean, you can look at them. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're going to need to revisit your protocols about a week or two before you're sailing because it can change at any point. So keep an eye on them. Uh, certainly what you see today, I am sure will change by you know, next week, next month. Uh, it, there's just no knowing uh, what to expect right there. But Trisha, I think your email, though, is is a good one to remind everybody that if you have a cruise coming up uh, at any point this year in 2022, certainly in 2023, you should definitely keep an eye on them for changes because they can come at any point. There is no threshold, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that says, oh, once you're past this many days to your cruise, they Royal Caribbean cannot change the protocols. No, they can change it literally the day of your cruise. It's probably not going to happen, but something to keep in mind. Next, we have an email from Larry. Matt, first, thanks for what you do on the blog and YouTube channel. Just returned from our Alaska and Ovation of the Seas. Wonder of the Seas cruise in April's both were great trips. I'm wondering if you know where I can purchase a few $1 casino chips that I'm missing from my collection on past cruises. Uh, eBay has been very helpful for quite a while. Any other ideas? Larry, thanks for the email. Unfortunately, it's eBay or bust, or you go on those cruises and take them home with you. Uh, there's no formal way. There is no means to like, contact Royal Caribbean and purchase casino chips for your own personal collection. So... Um, yeah, I, I think that, um, I, I, I think that you're kind of out of luck there. It's really eBay or go on a cruise, or if you know someone who's going on a cruise and they can bring one back for you. Next, we have an email from Joseph. I'm was listening to episode 461, top three things to do in each port Matt is going to next week. And I enjoyed it very much. My wife and I have done some of your suggestions, but I took notes for future cruises. I was wondering if you could do this for other ports of cruises you have coming up. Thanks for all the content you and your staff provide. Absolutely. I think it's great. Thank you for the email. I appreciate that. And the answer is yes. I mean, we've done so many podcast previews of cruises I'm about to go on that I just felt like we need to change things up a little bit. Not that there's anything wrong with previewing a cruise I'm going on, but, you know, let's mix it up. And I'm really glad that you like that episode because I think that's probably one of the most consistent questions over the years is what to do in any given port. And certainly what I say, what I think in, you know, here in 2022 is going to be different than I might have thought in 2019. So I will definitely be doing that. My next cruise as it stands right now is at the end of September on Allure of the Seas, and we're going Western Caribbean, so we'll have some recommendations uh, for you over there. Next email is from Jill. My family and I booked our first cruise this year on Liberty of the Seas. We have a group of eight kids, eight, sorry, eight, with the kids, 
teens and adults. Couple questions. Number one, what excursion do you recommend for families in Nassau? Debating between Margaritaville, Blue Lagoon, or Atlantis. Hmm. I, ooh, if you want to do an animal counter, Blue Lagoon. Otherwise, I get the day pass to Margaritaville. Number two, which dining do you recommend for families in the main dining room? Oh, traditional, traditional, traditional. Trust me, it's worth it. It's just so much easier. Do traditional. You'll thank me later. And lastly, a Cocoa Key. Do you recommend Chill Beach or Breezy Bay? We're looking at renting a beach bed. I would say, I think, boy, this is very subjective now, okay? So there's no objective answer to you. I'd lean towards Chill Beach. I think it just, look, the aesthetics of it look better. Breezy Bay is totally nice. Uh, it's a little more centrally located. The nice thing about Breezy Bay is you're not too far from Oasis Lagoon. You're not too far from the Snack Shack. So it's very convenient, certainly. But I think the beach is a little nicer at Chill Beach for what it's worth. I mean, we're really splitting hairs on that one. So hopefully that answers your question there, Jill. Next email is from Becky, who writes, Hi, Matt. Thanks for all the great content you provide at Royal Caribbean Blog. I especially love the podcast and listen to every episode. Now it's my turn to ask a question. Is there a way to tell on the website or invoice if your cruise qualifies for double points? I checked back the invoice from the upcoming cruise that I booked for my, in, my sailing in August, and I booked it in November of 2020, and I'm sailing in mid-August. I've repriced a few times. My reservation number never changed. Is there any way to know if I get double points? What do you think? The answer is I believe it does. I mean, number one, there is no answer. No. Um, the double points promotion was never a line item, uh, like, a, like a wow sale or onboard credit is something that just automatically shows up there. And as long as your cruise is coming up before the end of September and you booked it during that time window, uh, and since you booked it back in 2020, I really do believe you should be expecting double points. Um, again, your reservation number never changed, then you should be okay on that. Unfortunately, there's just no way to know, Becky. I was going through this exact um, issue myself on my last cruise on Mariner of the Seas. I just wasn't sure when exactly I made the reservation and if it still applied. And Luckily, when I got back, you know, obviously the points and they were correct there. So let me put it this way, Becky. If for some reason you don't get them and you're not sure, you're not 100% sure and you think maybe I should be getting them, you can always call the Crown and Anchor phone number. Just Google Royal Caribbean Crown and Anchor phone number. It's like, it's a slightly different phone number than the regular phone number. I don't know if it really makes a big difference, but anyway, give them a call and, you know, you can chat them up there and see what they have to say about that. But based on what you said, the fact that you booked in November 2020 and your sailing is in August of this year, it sounds like you should still qualify for double points, so... Hopefully you still get those because those really make a difference in terms of moving up the system really quickly. Speaking of Crown and Anchor, our next email is from Mark from California. Hi, Matt. Do you know if the drinks included at the diamond level may be used for a shake at Johnny Rockets? Keep the great work. Thank you. My understanding is yes. Uh, essentially, with the new diamond drinks, with the vouchers, what have you, essentially, it's just like a drink package, Mark. And it should work the same way. So I'm going to emphasize the word should here. And that it should work for your drinks at Johnny Rockets. Yes. Um, I don't have a reason to believe why it wouldn't. Um, I haven't personally tried it. I want to say I've heard of friends who've been able to use that. I know for certain the, the drink package works at Johnny Rockets for milkshakes. And so for that reason, I believe the diamond drinks will work as well. That is my educated guess. And I think there's a pretty good chance I'm right on that one. Next email is from uh, Aaron, who writes, Hi, Matt. Thanks for the Alaska podcast. As we just went a few weeks later, found it very helpful. Hope you're feeling back to normal after COVID. While on our last cruise, I went to get services to rearrange our sticker assignments so my 12 and 14-year-old would be sharing a room. After much back and forth, the cast member, crew member, <laughs> that's the wrong company, ended up giving me extra keys to each room, so we all just carried both. Is that the usual system? Um, It's not. Usually what's supposed to happen, and again, this might just be the crew member. You could ask a different crew member later on. 
What's supposed to happen is they say, oh, okay, Aaron, you and the other adult are, let's put you in room number one. They recode your cards, basically. So you get a new card with the new number and the kids get the other number. You shouldn't have to get two cards. Um, this is just, I think, just whether or not the crew member is aware of that or not. So here's what I would have done. I would have said, thank you very much. I would have come back a little later, maybe later that day with a different crew member on duty. And I would have asked the exact same thing. Never, don't tell them the two card system. Just go back to your original request and probably would have been fine. Aaron also adds, I want to ask the right question next time. Oh, yeah. Um, two keys worked fine. We wasted a lot of time getting there. Yeah, it's just I would just go back again later on. I mean, you could certainly ask to have your key cards recoded there. But if you get any kind of, you know, hesitation, you might just come back later on. You guys to speak to a manager. Just like, hey, no, 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 no offense. But I just know that we've been able to do this on other ships. Can we just get our cards recoded? That kind of a thing there. So hopefully, Aaron, that works out for you again. I've been able to do that. But, you know, when it comes to dealing with, you know, crew members, I guess, services, Everyone's got a little different training, and it's not right or wrong. It's just different, and having two cards is not the end of the world. It's not ideal either, and I might explain that. Say, listen, two cards is fine, but I wouldn't mind getting them recoded if it's all possible because I would really appreciate that. Next question is from somebody to put their name down. So anyway, me and my fiance are going on our first cruise out of Galveston in a few days. We booked our hotel and shuttles through Royal Caribbean. However, the shuttle doesn't pick us up from Houston until noontime, meaning it won't be in Galveston until 1.30. Do you think we should just use Uber to the port or should it be okay? Thanks, Matt, for your videos. You've been very helpful to prepare for our cruise. Uh, the answer is definitely take a lift or Uber. I am not a fan of moving on someone else's schedule. I don't like shuttles. I don't like transfers. I just... The, I, I just don't like the move, waiting around for no reason because you've got to wait for the bus to be full or something like that. So, pet peeve of mine. I am sure there are people out there who completely disagree with me. But in, in this kind of a scenario in which you're going to be sitting around, you get the, you know, however long waiting for the shuttle to leave. Yeah, I would do a Lyft or Uber. I'm, I have a trip uh, to Galveston on a cruise in November. And my plan is to absolutely just use Lyft or Uber. Uh, when I went to Galveston many years ago, that didn't exist. So, I was kind of stuck. But Nowadays, I wouldn't even hesitate at it. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna cost you a little some money, but I I really do believe it's the best approach if you value your time. If you if you don't care, I mean, you probably save some money if you wait for that shuttle. But you know, you're not getting to Galveston around 1:30. You're gonna be on a bus full of other people. You know, it'll be a little slow going over there. I'd rather get on as soon as I can because remember, whether you board the ship at noon or two o'clock, the cost of your cruise is the same. So you may as well get that extra two hours out. I'm just making up numbers here. I have no idea. No idea what time you land in Texas and Gal in Houston, but again, just want to throw that out there. And our last email this week comes to us from uh, Bob Church from Fulton, New York. Hi, Matt. My wife and I are turning Diamond Plus in the middle of our next cruise. Is Royal Caribbean do anything special? Will we enjoy Diamond Plus benefits throughout the cruise or not at all? Many thanks for your years of answered questions. P.S. I just turned over a new book into our sponsor, MEI Travel, and Michelle is a great communicator on the ball and very helpful. Recommend. Bob, thanks for supporting our sponsor. Appreciate it. So the answer is no, you don't get your benefits during that cruise. So when you turn to whatever status, whether it's platinum or diamond or diamond plus, uh, the benefits begin on the next sailing. So basically, Bob, when you go on your sailing after this one, then your diamond plus benefits kick in. So, and uh, they don't do anything special for you for turning diamond plus in the middle of the cruise. Um, if you were pinnacle, yeah, but not for diamond plus. So anyway, thanks for the email, Bob. Thanks to everybody for checking out the episode here. If you have an email that you would like me to answer, I will do my best to do so. Uh, email it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.